Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. I have a lot to cover, so we just cover that and then we'll worship together and then every other message I have, I would give. I want to read a very important text to us from Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. I'm going to start from like the second sentence, just on purpose, just to highlight what I want to highlight. Then I'll read from there to verse 28. Jesus speaking, he says, but whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Oh my God. This is so powerful. This is the marking scheme. This is the area of concentration. Whosoever desires to be great. I don't know if you ever had it as an ambition to be great in the sight of God. To please God so that he can look at the globe, look at all men, and somehow you stand out, out of about 7 billion people, and that he can brag about you. God likes to brag about people. And even if you are like Jesus trying to keep a low profile at the water baptism, he can embarrass you in a good way and shout from the sky, this is my beloved son, hear him. He can brag even to Satan. I know that's the story you don't like. But he can brag and say, have you considered my servant Job? You're like, God, don't worry. Don't leave Satan. (laughs) But God likes to brag about us. To all who care to listen. He does like to brag about us. Can you say that God brags about me? And I want to tell you what really makes you stand out. If you want to be great in the kingdom, what do you pursue? Yes, you should want to increase in your devotional favor and to pray more and to fast more and to do more, you know, in terms of fasting and praying and memorizing the word of God and all of that. But now he's telling you what I consider to be the most important factor. He says, anyone who desires to be great amongst you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. And then he uses himself as an example. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? And to do what? You know, to illustrate this, I remember when I was in primary school, I belong to the Taekwondo club. Nothing serious. Just primary school stuff. And I was amongst top two in my school. Like best or second best. But for some reason, my parents were those strict African parents. They don't want to hear extracurricular activities. Is it math? Is it English? If it's not math or English or quantitative reasoning, count me out of it. I didn't send you to school to go and be doing, ah, yeah, yeah, you know. 
I'm not interested. And so when it was time for my mates to go to the stadium to actually go and fight and win belts, I wasn't allowed to go. I think that was about the first time in my life I thought about sneaking out of the house. But I knew I was going to die if I tried it. So I didn't. That was the first time. That was not the last time, but that was the first time. So I will never forget how humiliated I felt getting to school the weekend after the competitions had held and seeing my mates with different belts, some blue belts, some brown, you know, and it, it was horrible. I was about the best, but I had no belts. Because when it came to that spot, you will not be rewarded by capacity alone, but by contribution. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Medals are awarded to those who fight. Not for those who know that they can fight. It's not enough to know you must fight. Listen, this is simple but important. In the kingdom, God doesn't reckon greatness by capacity alone. At the end of the day, he says, well done, thou good and what? So faithfulness talks about service. What are you doing for God? How are you contributing to the kingdom? At the end of the day, greatness in the kingdom is not by possession, what you possess, but by what you contribute. Listen, as simple as what I'm saying is, if you take it seriously, you will be better prepared to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. On that day, the people who will get the greatest commendations will not be the most spiritual as we reckon spirituality. Are you listening to me? Let me repeat it. On that day, the people who will get the greatest commendation will not be the most spiritual as we reckon spirituality. There must be a balance between being good and being faithful. Have you ever tried to do something that requires, you know, volunteers and some people who are capable are not available? <laughs> and eventually, the people who are available but are not as capable are more important to what you are doing than those who can do better. Guess what? Such is the kingdom. Whoever will be first must be a servant. Whoever will be great must be a slave. Greatness is reckoned by contribution. Please, are you listening to me? I remember growing up, I just used to you know, look at the body of Christ and imagine who is God's number one man? I've, I've always been fascinated about stuff like that. Who is God's number one man? What about number two? What about number three? I might have been young and foolish, but those were questions I asked. And somehow I thought it would be about how long you prayed, how much of his word you understood, how much fasting you did. 
And all of those things are important. Make no mistake, you can't do much for God without a life of consecration, without a prayer life, without fasting. All these things we have established in several other sermons. But what I want to make you understand very clearly is that as important as all those things are, at the end of the day, this is the person who gets the job done. When he in the throne room says, whom shall we send? It is the person who says, here I am. Send me. That is the person who is great. In a world of distractions, not many people care about God's plan for their lives. Many people are after survival and earthly relevance and prominence. But the few people who will have the audacity to say, you know what, God? What will you have me do? That's how God reckons greatness. That at the end of the day, one of the ways Paul will prove his apostleship is not by how many dead he has raised, how many sick people he has healed, but by how much he has suffered. You are not in church today. Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body what? Uh-huh. So, now, many people would prefer to hear, I carry in my body the presence of God. It's tangible. <laughs> but you can know my calling by my suffering, by my marks. Let no man, meaning my marks would end every argument about my apostleship. Just look at me. Just look at me. That's the end of all arguments. So if they were arguing, I would just remove my shirt. And when you see the marks, henceforth, nobody will trouble me. <laughs> just by the marks. Are they apostles? I more. And how does he prove it? The number of times he was beaten. The perils he faced with robbers. The perils he faced with countrymen. How often he was hungry. How often he had to travel. How many times he was beaten with rods. Beaten with whips. Suffering. Contribution. Whoever will be great will be a servant. In 1 Corinthians 13, we see all the tenets of devotional excellence. The ability to speak with other tongues. Faith to move mountains. But now he says you can have all of that and still be nothing. What does he say? Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. You see, love has to do with service. Are you getting what I'm saying? Love has to do with service. Love is not focused about on you. It's focused on others. And that's what makes it greater. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, as important as that is, if I have not love, I am become like a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries <laughs> and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I can move mountains, if I have not love, I am nothing. This is how God sees. This is how God reckons greatness. 
You can have all the revelations in the world. Be the best preacher in the world. And it won't matter as much to God. That's what you are reading. You can have understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And be nothing. And though I have faith. So I can remove mountains. Let's be honest. When we see someone who flows in the miraculous. Subconsciously we think. This person, you know, is at a pedestal spiritually. But he says, even that, as important as that is, what really measures greatness in the sight of God is contribution. Love. I'll give you another example just to establish this point. You now go to chapter 14 from verse 1. He said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you prophesy. Listen, he says, he that prophesies is greater. Can you imagine? I mean, just can you just imagine this? He that prophesies is greater than he that speaks in tongues. And it is not as if there is anything intrinsically about the gift of prophecy that makes it greater than tongues. Nothing. Gifts are gifts. They're all spiritual. They're all supernatural and we should be grateful for them. And naturally speaking, we have no business comparing. You know, some people, silly people, you know, try to use this to say, why are you speaking in tongues? Instead, you should prophesy. Which one do you do? Have you noticed that in the body of Christ, it is people who don't speak in tongues that know how speaking in tongues should be done. The irony. They are the ones trying to correct others. Despite all your knowledge, you, the church is getting it wrong. But you, that knows. How come you don't speak in tongues? At least the person who was trying to correct in the Bible, he says, first and foremost, I speak in tongues more than you all. <laughs> so that gave him the rights to contribute. So some people try to say, you see, prophecy is greater. If you don't prophesy, you ought to shut up. Come on, are you with me? But at the end of the day, he says, he that prophesies is greater. So, even in the administration of gifts, there is hierarchy in terms of importance. And why is the person who prophesies greater? He tells you why. Verse 2, he says, For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God. And as wonderful as that is, that you're not speaking to men but to God, it is both wonderful and it is also the problem. <laughs> Just the fact that it is not for men, that's the problem. That's what makes prophecy greater. He says, No one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, that makes speaking in tongues so powerful for you. But that's also the problem. Verse 3. It says, But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That's what makes prophecy greater. Guess what? Spiritual gifts are for service. Are you aware that many in the church don't know this? 
that the reason why they desire spiritual gifts is so that they can advance their own agenda. Breakthroughs, miracles, and all those things. Let me tell you something. If you don't get what I'm saying, you still will not understand why it will be a temptation to turn stone to bread, yet it will not be a temptation to multiply five loaves to feed 5,000 people. Maybe you never thought about that. <laughs> How come it will be sin to turn stone to bread? But it will give God glory to multiply five loaves and two fish. How come? How come it will be sin to turn stone to bread? But it will not be sin to turn water to wine. How come? Because man shall not live by bread alone. Listen, and the, the reason why God anointed me with the Holy Spirit is not so that I can advance my own agenda. If Jesus was the typical Christian today and he could turn water to wine, he would become the richest man in the world immediately. <laughs> you would just have monopoly over a river, turn it to wine. Jesus of Nazareth <laughs> press, wine press. And there is nothing wrong in being the richest man in the world. What is more important is doing the will of God. So if your assignment is to come and to die, do it. <laughs> that was Jesus' assignment. No, he has died for us. <laughs> come on, are you with me? Come on, do you get it? This is important. Contribution. Contribution. Start asking yourself, so what is my usefulness? We've been thinking capacity instead of usefulness. We've been thinking about how sophisticated we are instead of how useful we are. I read a business book years ago and talked about the fox versus the hedgehog. The, the fox has several sophisticated hunting techniques. Incredible sense of smell. Can trail his prey. No matter where the prey is hiding. Can hide, you know, stealth. You know, um, the paws, you know, will allow it, you know, walk without being noticed and all of that. The hedgehog has only one technique. <laughs> Which is when the enemy is close, just turn to a ball of spikes. And so the fox, with all his sophistication, will try many things, will hide, will run, has speed, can hide, has speed, has smell, has everything, has sight. The hedgehog is just going about his business. When the fox is close enough, he knows only one thing, but one effective thing. <laughs> Are you with me? When the fox comes close, he just turns to a ball of spikes. And no matter the strategy of the fox, at the end of the day, he can't attack the hedgehog. In the kingdom, one thing is needful. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. That's why sometimes we sit back in the body of Christ and see some people that God is using and we're annoyed. 
Look at all his errors. Look at all the inconsistencies. He doesn't even know the Bible. You that knows. Have you made yourself available for God? That's why you can complain and God will judge you. And you know, let me tell you where I learned this the first time. As I began to grow, you know, in the things of God, I caught the fire young, you know, and I got a lot of knowledge early. So, <laughs> one day, I was watching the TV, and a man of God was preaching like a herbalist. I'm not joking. So, I started crying, and for the first and only time in my life, I got violent. There was nobody there. You know, I used to hear of people getting angry and breaking stuff. That was never me. But it happened that day. I was kicking things and hitting things and just, you know, crying. And I lifted up my head to the sky and said, oh, to the ceiling. I said, God, calm down now. I said, God, how can you allow these people to mount the pulpit and be preaching like this? How can you allow them to have churches? And have members. What, what, what would this? How will we tell these members that this is a lie now? You know what God told me. He said, "Where will they go?" <laughs> said, "Where will they go?" He said, "Stop complaining and go." It was that day. I received a vision for multi-campus churches. Are you getting what I'm saying? For a multi-campus church. I said, we will plant churches everywhere. While I will hope that other people will do it right, because I know we can't do it all, but we will do the most. We will do the best we can do. Are you getting what I'm saying? We won't beg anyone to love Jesus. If you, if you don't do it, we will, we will plant the churches. We will do the work. Say loud, amen. amen. At the end of the day, God is still looking, saying, Who shall I send? Who will go? Many people said, Here I am, especially you know, in university where there were no responsibilities. There are many people that caught the fire who caught the fire at the same time. <laughs> at the end of the day, it is service. It says, from whom the whole body joined together and knit by what every joint supplies. Katombri Katalia told this. He wants a body that is fully active. That every joint is a supplying joint. That even if you are a member, just a member, you can tell us at a moment's notice your contribution to the prosperity of the gospel. What are you doing without stuttering, without stammering? And the reason why you must be able to say it without stuttering or stammering is because what you did, you did thoughtfully. You took your time to craft a strategy for reaching out to colleagues in the office, fellow students in school, 
people in your vicinity, you came up with a plan, a strategy. You are not accidentally effective because there is no such thing. You came up with a strategy. And so if I ask you, what are you doing for God? You can say. Because not only were you planning to advance your career, you were planning to advance the kingdom. Say loud, amen. amen. Some of you have a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 20-year plan for your business, but no plan for the kingdom. No plan. Everything is random. When it is time to give, you just dip your hand like this. You know, the currency that comes out, that's what you give. No plan. You have a budget for everything except God. You have a to-do list. Reading the Bible is not there. You meet all your targets at work. All the KPIs. At the appraisal, when it's time for appraisal, you are never behind. You set, you, you set alarm for everything else. You know how to wake up early. Catch the first bus. Get to work on time. But somehow, you want God to believe that you have tried everything and you still don't have a prayer life. And that you don't have a study life. You, you finished school with a 2-1 but you have not finished the Bible. <laughs> you know, I've told you before, every other thing you succeed at in life is a witness against you. At least, dull people have an excuse. We will never know whether if they read the Bible, I'm sorry. But, but you, if you are ignorant, is your choice. Because you know everything else. You know sports. You know politics. You know, you know, you have an opinion on everything else. When they are talking about anything else in the office, you will talk except God. When it comes to God, you keep quiet so that you don't come across as too extra. But let them just start talking about Nigeria. And you have to understand, God is watching. He's saying, who, who, who? So he has literally gone to some people and had to move past because this one won't do the job. Gone to some people. Do you know what it means? For the Bible, it's, it's an eternal record about someone in the Bible that he loved this present world. He, he had a call. He left the call. It's written, see, forever is there about Demas. He loved this present world. Some people, that will be their report card when they see Jesus. Are ah, you? It's just cruise now. It was just money you were pushing. Doesn't it freak you out that Jesus knows everything? <laughs> Your pastor may not. Once in a while, you know, we might be spot on with prophetic gifts. But even pastors can be deceived. That's a fact. In fact, the way the prophetic gift works, very funny. Prophecy can lead you to David's house. And then, we just stop. 
Sometimes it's very annoying. You say, there's someone here, this, 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 and the prophecy will hang halfway. I've seen it many, many times. And so sometimes the Lord wants to teach you something about it. You know? So, I mean, you, you get there, you know that the king is from this house, but you don't know who. And then you start using chest to measure. Ah, this must be the king. <laughs> anyway, I said that to say, you know, so even the prophet with his prophetic gifts, maybe you are still deceiving me. You know how to pretend to be spiritual, but you know. <laughs> but you can't deceive God. You can't deceive God. At Reboot Camp Abuja, I said something. You know, we quote that text because we think, we think it's nice. And it's nice, but it has implications. We have not come to a mount that can be touched. We have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, innumerable company of angels, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. That means we will never gather and Jesus is unaware. There is no bad sermon that Jesus has not heard. Nobody ever preached the sermon and Jesus did not hear it. <laughs> As a pastor, you have to be careful. You will give account. Like, he attends every service. That's the meaning of the text. Our gathering is always to Jesus. When they are always whining you to worship, he sees it. Your amen can be louder than that. The louder your amen, the louder... Oh, you have been in church three years. They are still doing that for you. Is it? He <laughs> sees how you give. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. You know, in the, in the incarnation, in the temple, when it was offering time, he sat, he was observing. How did he know that the widow gave the most? Because he was watching. He has your offering records. I'm not joking. You think you don't know how much God... You, you think God doesn't know how much you give? He knows. If you're an instrumentalist and you avoid offering because you're on the keyboard. For instance. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> or maybe you're on the camera. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, I'm a supplying joint. I'm passionate about ministry. Passionate about impact. Hallelujah. I want to be God's man. I want to know, I want God to know that He can count on me. You know, I used to say something God only tells me what He's sure He wants to do. <laughs> because if I hear go, I've gone. No. <laughs> I've gone. Are you listening to me? I've gone. God only tells me what he is sure he wants to do. For other things, I might be timid, but for the things of God, I, I, it's not a question. I would rather fail than be disobedient. Do you understand what I'm saying? I would rather lose fame, lose reputation. You know, 
in preaching, my priority is faithfulness to the word. I don't, I don't, you know now, I preach it the way I believe it. I'm not concerned that, you know, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not concerned. Because he hears, he sees. I'm passionate about ministry. Passionate about impact. Any, any such person here? Yes, and that's what the Holy Spirit is for. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then all your enemies will submit. Is that what he said? Even though they will. <laughs> he says, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Meaning, the gifts are primarily for evangelism. Did you hear what I said? Primarily for soul winning. Not for personal gratification. And that's why some of you have not grown in the gifts. Because you only want to use the gifts for yourself. Listen, I want to bet you. Start being a missionary and see the gifts grow. Sit by the well, ready to evangelize. And see if you will know things supernaturally about that woman. But if you are sitting at home and you just want to know business trends so that you can invest. <laughs> Eh? The first time you heard God, he was telling you who to marry. You're so selfish. You don't even see the selfishness. God has never told you to preach. Never told you to evangelize. Never told you to give. All of a sudden, say, this is your wife. You are selfish. You like her. Just say it. <laughs> say it and move on. Hallelujah. The power is for evangelism. So I want to challenge you to write your faith story. Just imagine how your life will fit into the Hebrews 11 narrative. Where the Bible says, by faith Abel gave. By faith Abraham sojourned. By faith Moses did this. And Joshua did this. And Caleb did this. And this person did that. And time will fail me to talk about the prophets and talk about this. Who subdued kingdoms, you know. And then it comes to you. By faith, she got a better car. And you see, see, let me tell you something. There are some testimonies that will become petty when you grow. Listen, in everything, give thanks. Do you understand? It is God who gives all things richly for enjoyment. So, God gives cars. I know it. God gives cars. God, they give moto. <laughs> Believe it. But I'm just saying, there should be more in your life. More. Please, are you listening to me? There has to be more to be more. So I want you to <laughs> get it right. Desire spiritual gifts, but not just for yourself. 
so that you can contribute. So that you can win souls. You know, someone was telling me how on Sunday after the service, you know, two people came to her and gave her spot-on prophecy. You know, I hear that a lot about this church. Someone said his first time in church, he saw members healing the sick, you know. So it was one of those services. We said, group yourself and all of that. From that day, he said, I'm not leaving this church. (laughs) The Spirit of God has come to make greatness come on. He has made greatness come on. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's not for the elite. It's not for some esoteric class. All flesh, sons, daughters, servants, handmaidens, old, young, all flesh. He has made greatness come on. <laughs> it's common. It's common. It's common. Get in the army. Let's get this job done. Praise the Lord. Please see beyond your feet for the first time. See the big picture. See what God will have you do. Get a compelling dream. And desire the gifts so that you can contribute. You can be a supplying joint. Not just advancing your own life, but the kingdom. Hallelujah. So I want to be clear. What I am telling you is not that gifts are not as important as people think. But I'm saying the kingdom is so important. You should desire the gifts for the advancement of the kingdom. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And it, it kind of works in a, in a loop. And I will try to explain it. If you have spiritual gifts, it is for the advancement of the local church. And if you are in the local church, you will have spiritual gifts. It works like a loop. Do you understand what I just said? It works like a loop. Let me tell you something. Do you know the most effective ways to grow in spiritual gifts? This will surprise you. It's not fasting. It's not prayer. That seems blasphemous, doesn't it? I'm saying it. It's not fasting. It's not prayer. It is community. the best thing you can do to fan the flames of any gift you want to see in your life is to belong to a company of people passionate about those gifts. That's the it's community. Just find yourself in that community. Listen, that's the blessedness of community. I'm going to prove it to you. I have just a few minutes. I want to quickly show it to you from the Old Testament. Look at First Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 10, you know, I wish I had more time to tell you, you know, the development of the consciousness of consecration. How that Saul initially was just looking for, you know, an ass. And that's the journey of a Christian 
who is seeking God for things he can get. I, I want a job. And that's what let, made him leave the house. He wants a job. He's pursuing something. But eventually he meets a prophet. And the prophet tells him, you are seeking God for an ass, but God is seeking you to make you a king. Listen, you know, that, that's the story. And now, he begins to receive direction about how this will happen. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 5, it says, After that you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistines' garrison is. And it will happen when you come, to, come there to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets. You will meet a group of who? Meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with their stringed instrument and tambourine and flute and harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them. You're not going to read a book on prophecy. You're not even going to pray about it. You're not going to fast about it. You will just encounter prophets prophesying and it will trigger something in you that you never thought was there. Something will come upon you. He said you will prophesy and you will become another man. Let me tell you something. One of the best things God can do for you is to give you a good church. It will bring out potentials you never knew were there. There are some things that are pertaining to your destiny that will only be found in the community of the saints. Only. It doesn't matter how you fast in your house. How you pray in your house. By the design of God, one will chase how many? And two will do what? God designed his church to be a body filled with supplying joints. That's just the design. That's just the design. And <laughs> when you come to church, people will piss you off. But community is still God's will. People will step on your toes. But community is still God's will. And when you find yourself in the company of prophets, you will prophesy. Let me tell you this. Anything you want to see in your walk with God, associate with people who are saying it. You want to defeat habits. You want to grow in your prayer life. You can have personal strategies. But the most important thing is community. I'm telling you. If you have prayerful friends, you will pray. If you have studious friends, you will study. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, I said praise the Lord. <laughs> Listen, Saul was an ordinary man before he came into the company of prophets. Do you know that it became a mantra used to describe extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. From that day, people began to say, is Saul also amongst the prophets? That's how they began to... 
Anytime they saw someone ordinary doing extraordinary things, that was how they, they communicated it. It's Saul also amongst the prophets. When you see someone from the village drive a car in those days, there's no car in those days, but you understand, I'm just using a modern day example. You could say, is Saul also amongst the prophets? When you see someone do something that is way beyond his natural capacity, as at least the way people expect, is Saul also. So now, that tells you the power of the spirit in community. That an ordinary person and become a powerful tool in the hand of God. The person in your front is testament. There was nothing extraordinary about me. At least nobody saw anything extraordinary about me in primary school. Now that I think of it, you know, even class captains, the two times I was class captain, it was for one day. I'm telling you the honest truth. They made the first one was about maybe four hours. Maybe class captain, and then don't mind them. Nigerian teachers are extra because I mean we had class and the teacher came late, so I decided to just have a quick game of table soccer. Some forward-thinking teacher will say, "This guy is creative," but you know they say, "You know." <laughs> I was developing vocational skills. <laughs> but then he came, saw class captain playing table soccer. He said, "Yeah, no more class captain." Ah! You didn't allow me even go home to tell my father that I'm glad <laughs> you took it. <laughs> you gave me and took it back. Before I could tell anybody. <laughs> the second time, I'm not making this up. They put me, class captain, and the class captain was in charge of ringing the bell to announce change of periods. And I missed the time. <laughs> I missed the time. So, ah, just take the time. Ah, it's no time for change of period. You are no more. I say, oh my God. And this was another school, so it wasn't as if they had a personal vendetta. Eh, eh, it was me. <laughs> In the secondary school, they called names of people who would be prefects. I was not there, so I was convinced it was an oversight. So I went to the principal to say, I can't. And he laughed. He said, You? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not salty about it. I'll forgive him, Mr. Debayo. It's not, a, <laughs> it's not to air his human. I hope he's doing well. I hope he can see that he was wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, what's there? I'm not angry at all. University, the same thing. I was as regular as a regular Joe can be until the spirits. Are you listening to me? <laughs> until the spirit. Let me tell you how ridiculous this was. You know, when I got filled with the spirit, one day I was just with my friends in the room, 
And I told them, I sense that I have a very special assignment on this campus. They all burst into laughter. That was, that was, I know you can't picture it, but that was who I was. Do you know, do you know the kind of person you have to be? <laughs> they just looked at each other and they started laughing. I came back to this room full of the spirit and quiet. And they were like, ah, what did they do this guy? <laughs> so they say, ah, he go program. The program auto. <laughs> so it was, it was like until the fourth or seventh day, they say, ah, this is serious. <laughs> this guy has changed. You never know what you're capable of. <laughs> he said, the spirit will come on you and you'll be a new man. Listen, this is the part that sparks my head. I don't know if, you, if there's anybody who believes the Holy Ghost can make something special of them. I might be joking, but I'm serious. You know, I do serious things easily. Have you noticed? I live like I have no burdens. And the burdens are great. They are great, but they are light. And that's the power of the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? Are you in 1 Samuel chapter 10? Verse 7. He says, and let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. He says, when the spirit comes upon you, I, he said, I can't even tell you what to do, but when the spirit comes upon you, you will know what to do. He says, and do as occasion demands. He says, now you have no limits. You will have no limits when the spirit comes upon you. It says, do as occasion demands. Because you have the capacity. You have the ability. It said, do as occasion demands. <laughs> you might be an ordinary man now. But when the spirit comes upon you, do as occasion demands. He said, why? It says, because God is with you. Is anybody ready to do as occasion demands? Do you know the meaning of that? It means you will never encounter a problem that you are not powerful enough to, to solve. You can do as occasion demands. Just imagine. Just imagine this prophecy. Talking to an ordinary man. Okay, this is what's going to happen. The spirit is going to come upon you. And then when that happens as occasion demands. You've been trying with your power. You've been trying with your ability. <laughs> it's time to stir up the gift that is in you. Are you listening to me? I said it's time to stir up the gift that is in you. So that you can do as occasion demands. And like I said, it starts with the right community. This was not the only time it happened. This story and narrative played out three times in the Old Testament. Three times. 
The same thing that happened to Saul happened to the servants of David. In the same first Samuel chapter 19, chapter 19 from verse 18, I have to read fast. It says, when David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. What came to Saul? David is in Naoth and Ramah, at Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men. So it happened to Saul and then Saul's men. Came upon Saul's men and they also prophesied. This community is strong. So listen, if it happened once, you could call it a miracle. If it happened more than once, it's a system. It has become a predictable system. That listen anywhere I see the spirit of God thriving in a community. If I join them, I will become like them. These guys were going to arrest someone and they became arrested. That's literally what happened. And they prophesied. Saul was told about it. He sent more men and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time and they also prophesied. Are you seeing this? It matters what church you attend. It matters. Because like I, I would often say, when you see Jesus walk on water, you will, never, you will never be the same again. You might be a fisherman, but just knowing your way around using the boat will not be good enough again. Say, if it is you, ask me to come. I, I want to come. I want to come. I want to come. I want to come. I was thinking today about my sons and daughters, the first few ones, the things they are doing. I was listening to Pastor Peter Simon. You know, I listened to, you know, all of them, Pastor Mike. You know, Pastor, La the kind of testimonies I'm hearing on the mainland. Three weeks ago, she laid hands on someone who had a growth in the private part and it disappeared. You won't understand how special that is. You, I remember these guys, you know, when I first met them. The first question she ever asked me is, how can I hear from God? And now, Last week, the week upper, she's given clear prophet, clear prophetic gifts at work. How do you move from that community? Are you listening to me? See, don't be satisfied being a church goer. If you join this church with intent, he will make something special of your life. We have a testimony in this church. We do. We do. There's a pastor in this state. To the glory of God, who is a disciple now? How did that happen? 
He's been, he's been pastoring for a while, but he heard one brother talk. Just talk Bible. <laughs> he said, are you a pastor? He said, no. So I'm just a member. I'm a brother. What church do you attend? He said, Celebration Church. He came to look for me. Praise the name of the Lord. Because God is going to make much of your life. You have come to a company of prophets. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? I said, you've come to a company of prophets. Your life must change. <laughs> I don't care where you're coming from. I don't care the limitations, you know, you, you saw yourself with. Your life must change. Something must touch you. I said, something must touch you. In fact, I said, something has touched you. Yeah. Hallelujah. The biggest attack of the enemy against your life, one of the biggest is to remove you from community. I can show it to you in thousands of ways in the Bible. There, there, there are dimensions of God you will never find alone. No matter how astute you are as a student of the word of God, there are some things you will never see in the Bible. <laughs> because God reveals and explains his word in community. That's just how it is. Do you know, even if you, are, you guys are my students, if we start praying now, there are some things some of you will pick that maybe I didn't pick. That's just how it is. And by the time we are done, there will be a general consensus separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work we're going to have called them. A community can be so intelligent in the things of the spirit, we can pick things. Let me tell you something. There is no key decision we have made in this ministry that a member did not pick. None. Someone must see it. I mean, things I'm thinking, how do I tell you people? Someone will pick it. and say, sir, I had a dream. Or the Lord said this. Or I saw a vision. Clear. Clear. The day I was going to announce, I'm going to um, Abuja. Do you remember that young guy? <laughs> At the time, he will be like 18. Just a young boy. He just came. The service we were to announce it. He said, sir, I saw in a vision, I saw you going. And I saw Pastor Maiwa stepping into your shoes. Clear. <laughs> say, that's my life. <laughs> Come on, say, that's my life. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was talking to a pastor. We're talking about, about the church and all the things that you might consider wrong in the church. And he said something very profound. He said, in the days of Noah, when the flood happened, he said the ark was the dirtiest place in the world, but it was the safest place in the world. Do you know what it means to live with animals for 150 days in an ark? How do you think it smelled? And someone saying, this place is too smelling. Open the door, I want to go out. That's what some of you are doing. Oh, this church, church hurt. <laughs> are you aware that the ark was a picture of the church? Are you aware that it was an allegory of the church and of salvation? That when the world is destroyed, 
we are safe in Christ, that Christ is that ark. I'm not justifying the hurt. I'm saying stay. The hurt must be corrected. I will never tolerate, you know, some abusive religious leader, you know. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it must be corrected. But at the same time, don't let the devil ever trick you to think being alone is an option. It's never an option. Never an option. The ark might be the dustiest place in the world, but it still remains the safest place in the world. Take community seriously and use community with the goal of advancing the kingdom. Imagine, let me tell you something. A church is powerful when we come together with a selfless ambition. We come together and our number one prayer point is not God, give me, give me, give me. God, I need this. God, I need this. I want you all to try this. When our priority, our heart is fixated on the kingdom. On the kingdom! On the kingdom! That's our strength. A selfless church is a dangerous church. A selfish church it, they will look, look that, like they are growing, but they, 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 are, they are not a threat to Satan. No problem. Be using gifts to turn stone to bread. Just be using it. That's what you are using power for. Could Jesus do it? It won't be a temptation if he didn't have the power to do it. He could. So it means... That in the spirit, I can have capacity, but I must keep the purpose in mind. I must keep the purpose in mind. It's very important. It is not for personal exaltation that, ah, I'm so powerful. So let me just flex. You know what? You know what I'm going to do today? I will go to the pinnacle of the temple and just jump. <laughs> that the purpose of angels, angels that are sent to minister for those who are heirs of salvation, partner with you in ministry and now catching you when you're falling. <laughs> because you are powerful. Just because you are the son of God. That's, that's, that's what many churches are doing. I'm sorry, can I speak freely? For yes, you, when your priority is this, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as waters cover the sea. And, and then you're saying, Lord, how, how, how do I find my place in what you are doing? What are you doing in this age? I know you're coming soon, but look at, look at, there's still so many people who don't know you. This life that I have, that I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying in you, I want people to experience it. Oh God, oh God. Oh God, oh God, when I sit with people, I want to have, have a word for them. Tell me about them. Not so that I can, you know, demonstrate my superiority, but just so I can be a blessing to them. Just not so I can condemn them and show them I'm not on their level. Give me a word, give me a word. When I stand before Pharaoh for the sake of your people, let me have something. Let me, let me have something convincing. 
I want to prove to the naysayers that what we have is true. Make a name for yourself with my life. Listen, when you begin to talk like this, make a name for yourself with my life, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. And listen, one of the first things God will do to engineer every other demonstration of power is utterance. Listen, so when God said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. What was the first manifestation of power to the church? Tongues. It is almost as if he uses utterance to launch us in our purpose. So listen, for Saul's ordination as a king, the first thing is he will prophesy. Because there is something about utterance that releases our capacity. As you begin to speak in tongues, are you listening to me? You find the embers of your spirit. He that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. In that word is the word from which you have the English word edifice, a building. You are building yourself. It's almost as if your capacity in God becomes obvious. It becomes pronounced. You might have been timid before. Sometimes you need to talk to someone. You just don't know how to go about it. Speaking tongues. Anytime you have a responsibility in God, you don't know how to go about speaking tongues. Because he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Brick upon brick, there is progress. There is progress. There is progress. You won't be the way you were when you started. There is progress because it's an edifice. You are rising up like an edifice. Brick upon brick. You feel the doubt dissipating. You feel the, you feel the fear fizzling out. The confidence is rising. The anointing is dead. And you, listen... Some of you, you don't even know the operation of the Spirit. Sometimes, as you begin to speak in tongues, you begin to speak in tongues, you begin to speak in tongues, it will get to a point. It will be as though you begin to say some English words. You don't understand why. You're speaking in tongues. Progress, 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 progress. And you think that what you are doing is simply speaking in tongues and taking tongues to also speak in English. What you don't understand is that's how interpretation of tongues works. It is interpretation, not translation. The reason you didn't think it was interpretation was because you had 10 syllables in tongues and so you expected the interpretation to be 10 syllables. But it is interpretation, not translation. Sometimes it's just etched into the inner recesses of your being. You just know this is where to go. Sometimes you just see someone in a vision. You just see someone, someone you've not thought about for years. All of a sudden comes to your heart. Don't ignore it. That's how visions work. That's how visions work. That's how visions work. Don't ignore it. Anybody that comes to your mind when you are praying, call them immediately are done. There's a reason. Are you listening to me? This is how you train your spirits. This is how you train your spirits. 
begin to speak in tongues. Direction will begin to come. Clarity will begin to come. And then listen, when, when you are too fixated on your own plans, on your own needs, you won't hear God telling you, just imagine if Paul's priority in Acts 13.1 was, oh God, I'm still not married. But God says, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereon to have called them. Speak in tongues, everybody. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Come on. Hold on. Hold on. Listen. Someone is like, but I can't speak in tongues. Didn't you hear what we read? You are in the company of prophets. You are in the company of prophets. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't live the way you came. You, you can't live the way you came. Haven't you heard what we've been saying? You can't live the way we came. See, what we're about to start now, by the time we are done, you, you, you just watch this atmosphere change right now. Begin to speak in tongues right now. Begin to speak in tongues right now. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Thank you for listening. 
We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.